establish priorities. Look with me in verses 4 and then again in verse number 15. Look what Jesus said. But When Jesus heard this, He said, This sickness is not to end in death. Wait a second. I love that. It's not to end in death. Guess what? Lazarus died. He died. He was sealed in a tomb, but yet Jesus says this sickness is not to end in death. Man, that tells me a lot. Ron Monk, that tells me your sister that died. That's not the end. That's not the final word. Cliff, that tells me that your brother that's teetering on the brink of death, that even though he dies, that's not the end. That's not the final word. There's still coming life even to dead bodies. Wow. Jesus said it's not to end in death. Now look as he established his priorities. Look what he said. He said, but for the glory of God. What was Jesus' priority? Priority number one, the glory of the Father. That God be glorified. Hey, when we have our priorities rightly established, we are walking in the light and we are less likely to live under the circumstances, but we'll live above them. Hey, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy His presence forever. That's my purpose in life today, is to glorify God and enjoy His presence today. Jesus established that as His priority. He says, it's not to end in death, but for the glory of God. So pr priority number one was the glory of the Father. But look at priority number two. Priority number two is found in verse number 15. He said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. Priority number one, to glorify the Father. Priority number two, to fortify His followers. You see, everything that Jesus does, He does it in light of these two priorities. It's to glorify the Father and it's to build up those who have faith in Him. So there's His priorities. So when you have those priorities firmly established, you're less likely to be pulled in a hundred different directions by all the urgent requests that come across your desk on a daily basis. Well, number next, notice how Jesus lived above the circumstances. Number one, He had a potent prayer life. Number two, He had well-established priorities. Number three, He had a divine purpose. Check this out. Notice what he says in verse number 42. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so they may believe that you sent me. Hey, I started to word this like this. We see number one, his previous prayer life, or his previous prayer. He'd already talked to the Father about this. But number two, we see, see, see this, his pre-existence. <laughs> see, Jesus didn't come into being when he was born. He was always with the Father. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Look, you can't be sent from God if you were not previously with God. See what I'm saying? He's saying, I, I did all of this, and I prayed this so that they may believe that you have sent me. There's that word sent again. Boy, the significance of grace being a sending church becomes more and more important the deeper we get into the Gospel of John. Sending. Man, his purpose in life was he was sent by the Father to accomplish a specific mission. Have you ever got to the heart of what your purpose in life is? Not to glorify God and enjoy His presence forever is one of them. 
But how do you do that? What is the specific purpose? What is your specific role? How do you fit in to the expansion of God's eternal kingdom on earth? How do we do that? Man, when you know what your purpose is, hear me. You are less likely to be controlled by the tyranny of the urgent and all of the circumstances that come into your world every day and all the requests that demand immediate action on your part when you know your purpose. Notice number next. Because of all of this, because of his prayer life, because of his priorities, because of his divine purpose, therefore he demonstrated divine power. My, my, my. You see, in this sign, we have one of, one of the seven I am statements merging with this seventh sign. I am the resurrection and the life. So what is the divine power that Jesus displays because of his prayer life, because of his priorities, and because of his purpose? Well, number one, at his voice, death must release its victims. Now, son, that's cool. At his voice, death has got to let people go. Notice what the Bible says here. The Bible says Jesus stood before that tomb. And, you know, we read this so much until we're not stunned like the people who were standing there must have been. But put yourself in the shoes of just one of the bystanders that's there. People are crying. People are weeping. Mary and Martha are clamoring all around Jesus. The Jews are looking and trying to console Jesus is saying, remove the stone. Martha's saying, ain't no way. Lord, don't do that. He stinks already. I don't want to have to go through that emotionally difficult situation of seeing him. God, you don't need to go in and see him because he's been dead four days. They didn't understand that removing the stone wasn't to let Jesus in. It was to let Lazarus out. And here he is. In the midst of all of this, the Bible says he shouted. Can you imagine what that must have sounded like to hear the Son of God shouting into the domain of death? The one who is resurrection and the one who is life shouts into the domain of death and says, Lazarus! I love what some of the old theologians said about this. Why in the world does Jesus call Lazarus by name? And you know what they say. Because if he hadn't have been specific, every person who died on planet Earth since Adam would have come forth. Because here was life shouting into the domain of death. And at his voice, death must release its victims. Hey, that applies in two ways. It applies in the spiritual realm beneath the surface a little bit. And the fact that every one of us are born spiritually dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. But God. You see, this is what takes place when any of us are saved. It's when the Word of God and the voice of Jesus enters into the domain of our darkness and calls us by name. When that happens, death must release you. Nothing it can do to hold you any longer. And all of a sudden, you come to life spiritually. But hey, even more than that, spiritually, this is one of those things that's going to happen literally one day too. Hey, one day, the most happening place on the planet is going to be graveyards. Isn't it going to be cool? When the Lord Himself descends, and get this, 
and with the shout and with the voice of an archangel, he's going to say, Death, release my people. And graves are going to pop open everywhere. Everywhere there's a bone, everywhere there's a DNA fragment of somebody who died, I don't care how many thousands of years ago it was, if they were a follower in Jesus, they are going to reconstitute and they're going to stand upon this earth again because my Redeemer liveth. Son, I'm telling you, the dead are going to come to life one day. Well, there's something implied in this. I want you to see something that I saw. At His voice, death must release its victims. You know what they do? Number one, they come to life. They come to life. Check this out. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings. Son, listen. When the life shouts at death and says, Release him, death has no choice. But get this. You don't have any choice either. Because here's Lazarus. Lazarus, the Bible says, he was bound hand and foot. Can you picture somebody who was almost a mummy? They wrapped them very tightly. They bound them. They wrapped them. It's almost like if you had an ace bandage and you went all the way around me and you did me like this. A lot of scholars see two miracles in this thing because there is no way that Lazarus walked out of that tomb like this. He couldn't. You know why? Because he was bound. Hey, let me tie your feet and your hands, and let me call you that back door, and we see how you're going to get there. You ain't going to do it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you look like one of them old-timey football games where the floor's vibrating. You can't walk. So what's happening here? They see another miracle where supernaturally, not only did he bring him to life, but he brought him forth. He had to. Son, that's what happens when somebody's born again. Jesus brings them to life spiritually. And you come forth. Two things going on here. Number one, not only do you come to life, but notice something else that Lazarus did. Lazarus, Lazarus came to the light. He came to the light. Now notice what else this verse says. This verse says that his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Not only was his hands and feet immobilized in death clothes, but they put around their head what the literal translation in the original language is a sweat rag. So there was a sweat rag around his head. He was completely mummified. Now when Jesus speaks and he brings you to life and you don't know what happened, but dear God, for some reason I'm getting up. I'm starting to move. Which way do you move? Did Lazarus have a choice of turning left and going deeper into the darkness in that tomb? Absolutely not. When he brings you to life, you immediately take a right-hand turn and you start walking to the light. He came out to the day. So man, there's a problem. This is all supernatural. Lazarus didn't just sit in that tomb and say, Well, I've got a choice to make. I can lay here and rest. This feels pretty good. I think I'll just stay here. No, he didn't have no choice. He got up because he came to life. There was the infusion of life into his body. And he just didn't say there and said, Well, you know, I like it in these death clothes. I, I think I'm going to turn left and go a little farther into the darkness. There's a lot of folk who claim to be born again believers. 
and they're walking deeper and deeper into the darkness. I got news for you. When Jesus speaks, death releases its victims. You don't hang around in the tomb anymore. You don't say, I like these death clothes. I think I'll stay in them. You come to life. The second thing you do is you come to the light. For if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Man, this is good stuff. I'm telling you, I can't tell you like that blind man. I can't tell you what happened to me or how it happened to me. All that I can tell you is that one day I was lost, but now I'm found. One day I was spiritually blind, but now I see. One day I was spiritually deaf, but now I hear. One day I was dead, but now I'm alive. Look, I got good news. One day this old body's going to drop dead. But the good news is, it's not going to end in death. No matter where you lay me. See, here's the good news. Jesus said, he who believes in me, even though he dies, he lives. You know what? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So as soon as you die, you're in the presence of God. That's as far as the Bible goes. But I'm telling you, one day is going to be a great getting up morning when this old body is going to come back too, and it's going to come back too for a reason. Here's, here's the reason why. At His voice, death must release its victims, and at his, at his voice, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, the last enemy is death, and Christ is going to defeat it. I had somebody ask me two or three weeks ago, no, it was two or three months ago, somebody said, Pastor Richie, I don't understand this. He said, tell me, what is the necessity of the resurrection of our physical bodies? I mean, isn't the battle won? What, once a believer dies and, and the worms eat their body, I mean, as, as soon as they die, they are with the Lord. Isn't that victory? Not completely. Because hear me. God, here's the, here's, the, here's the 20 cent word. God is involved and concerned about the psychosomatic unity of the human being. That means he don't only love your soul and your spirit, but he loves your body. He created it. And death entered into this world as a thief, and it causes your body to die. It causes your muscles to deteriorate. It causes your hair to fall out. And I'm telling you, this Lord of life is not content to let death win any battle. So here's the deal. On that great getting up morning, the physical resurrection of the body just consummates his victory over death spiritually and physically. Man, the good news is that when I get up, I'm getting up. When I get up, you ain't going to recognize me because every hair that God ever put on my head is going to be back. And you're going to say, who's that hippie? And I'm going to say, why, that's me. How you like me now? Death is not going to win. It's not. Death is going to be swallowed up in victory. My goodness, my goodness. Well, here's a reality. Death never has the last word. He does. He does. Well, living above your circumstances, I've got to get back to the main flow here. We live under our circumstances and we fail to walk in the light. Jesus lived above the circumstances because of his relation to the Father. Now check this out. It's incredible. Even so, the results aren't always favorable. Hey, you can walk in the light. And the results may not be still what you think, but nonetheless, you're walking in the light. Let me show you this. Jesus is walking in light. Let me show you two responses of the crowd. 
Number one, some had their faith strengthened. Look in verse number 45. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he'd done believed in him. How can you watch Jesus Christ stand and shout into a grave to a dead man and that dead man come out wrapped in grave clothes and not walk away from there and say, My, 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 who is that man and what just happened here? Some had their faith strengthened, but let me show you what others did. Verse number 46, some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus did. Some had their faith strengthened, but some had their fate cemented. Their fate cemented. Here's the spiritual principle. This is the seventh miraculous sign that he did. Some of them started out doubting in Cain of Galilee when he turned water into wine. Some of them continued to doubt even though they interrogated every witness about giving sight to the man born blind. If you ignore all of that and that's the progression of your life, it doesn't matter what Jesus does. Every time you turn your eye and say, I'm going to choose to walk in the darkness rather than the light, I'm going to choose to disbelieve rather than believe, watch me. You cement your Christless eternal fate a little bit more and a little bit more. Brother Richie, is it possible for somebody to keep saying no and saying no and saying no until they get to the point where there's nothing they can do? I think so. The Bible says, Genesis chapter 6, for the Spirit of God will not always strive with man. The writer of the Hebrews talks about how Esau came to a point in his life where he wanted to repent and he found no place for repentance even though he sought it with tears. See, the more you say no, the more you walk in the darkness, the less likely you are to ever respond even to the word of Christ. Even though he shouts into the domain of darkness and to the domain of death, you are less likely to respond. And their fate was cemented. Here's a picture of Blake Green telling you to stand in this one place and he's going to form around you something he's about to pour a concrete slab in. And he pours it up to your knees and says, now you stay right there, I'll be back in about two hours. And he comes back the next day and says, now come on, get in the truck, let's go. Where are you going? You ain't going nowhere because you are cemented in place. And that's the same thing spiritually that takes place when we continue to walk in darkness and consciously and knowingly say no to Jesus Christ. Hey, have you heard the voice of God shout into the deadness of your soul and say, come forth? If he has, then respond. Come to life. Come to the light. That's what people do when Jesus shouts into their domain. In Jesus' name, don't watch this happen to somebody else and ignore it and let your fate be cemented. God's spoken to you in Jesus' name. Respond in faith. Would you stand with me? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the resurrection.